Hello everybody and welcome back to What on Earth. This is a Hubbub podcast and every week we look at the past, present and future of different environmental issues to get to the bottom of what is going on on the planet. Uh, This week we're talking all about gardening. Uh, So I'm sure that you've noticed or at least you've seen it on someone's Instagram that more and more people during lockdown have been turning their hands to growing. Shortages in the shops at the start of this crisis coupled with a rise in food costs and people spending more time at home have inspired loads of us to start growing. So we're going to take a quick dive back in history to find out about the last growing boom and then find out why gardening is good for the environment and how we can all get growing even if you don't have a garden but you have a windowsill that you want to get started on. This week we're travelling back to 1939 and the Dig for Victory campaign which was launched by the British government at the start of the Second World War. Britain was wholly self-sufficient in food before the start of the Industrial Revolution in the 18th century. So that means that we grew all of the food ourselves, we didn't import anything from overseas. This then sank to a real record low of just 30% before the Second World War. So most of the food that we were eating in Britain was imported from somewhere else. And then the government was forced to massively U-turn and increase production in the UK really rapidly uh, by encouraging people to grow their own fruit and vegetables in basically any space available. Attacks on ships bringing imports to the UK caused shortages. So that was why people were urged to use every spare piece of land they had to grow food. So that's stuff like parks, golf clubs, tennis courts and even the moat around the Tower of London were all used to grow fruit and vegetables. After the Dig for Victory campaign finished, production in the UK drifted back downwards before nudging back up to the current level of 62%. But the stuff that we import in Britain is mainly stuff that we can't grow here. So things that need to grow in hotter countries like bananas, oranges, tomatoes, tea and coffee. Now, while gardening and growing your own veg is traditionally seen as the pastime of the retired, more and more of us are taking up the hobby. During the lockdown, the Royal Horticultural Society has experienced hundreds of thousands more people looking up growing advice on its pages. Views of the How to Compost page, which is probably not the sexiest page, but very useful, are up by 500%. And on the Isle of Wight, almost 5,000 people have signed up to the Green Island Veg Economy Initiative in the past two weeks. The concept is really amazing and super simple. Basically, if you have a surplus of homegrown seedlings or vegetables, you leave them outside your house and other people are allowed to take them for free which I think is amazing. (laughs) There's a huge amount of evidence that spending more time in nature can be really beneficial to our mental health and our well-being so we want to find out if gardening even in small flats is the way to make life especially in urban areas and especially now when we can't go outside as much better for us we're off to speak to a gardener called Jane Perone. Uh, The tech is a little bit glitchy because we were recording in lockdown over Zoom. So bear with us. What she says is amazing. And I will see you after the interview. Well, hi, Jane. Thank you so much for coming to speak to us. My pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, So could you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get going? Oh, well, I am a journalist by training, uh, but I have been a lifelong enthusiast for gardening. And that turned into a combination of my career about 10 years ago. And so I'm in the ideal position of my hobby and my job pretty much being the same thing. So I write about 
plants and gardens, uh, particularly with an emphasis on house plants, but also sustainability. And I love things like composting and stuff like that. <laughs> well, this week we're talking all about gardening, which is something that I have only just started getting into and it is incredibly addictive. I got my first tomato that sprouted yesterday and it's probably the most excited I've ever been Um, but we're trying to find out um, and I don't know what you think whether more people have got into gardening during lockdown while they've been at home I think they definitely have I've seen some surveys come through um, that have been done that show that gardening is definitely among the top most popular lockdown activities one survey I saw was saying uh, our that it was the number one lockdown uh, activity that people were doing, which was fascinating. Above things like cooking and reading, which obviously we all think of as being, you know, something everyone's into. But no, gardening was above those. So definitely, and also anecdotally, from my experience, people who in the past have shown no interest in um, my my gardening exploits are suddenly sort of asking if I've got any spare seeds and wanting to know how to grow things. So that's quite satisfying. And I did have some people say, oh, isn't it really annoying that, you know, all these Johnny come lately's coming to the world of gardening? I'm like, no, of course not. It's great. It's fantastic to see people starting to embrace um, outside space and, and plants and things. So, yeah, it's very exciting. And why do you think people have, I mean, suddenly decided that this is when they're going to get out into the garden and learn how to plant? Well, I mean, I think there's this somewhat of a myth that we've all got loads more free time. I'm sure some people who are furloughed are are bored, but many of us, I think, are also um, just very bored with being stuck inside and suddenly see even the smallest of outside spaces that we have as being so much more valuable than we realised they were before, because for some of us that's it that's the only space we've got that we can go outside in and how lucky we are to have even that because some people of course don't have any outside space and the more time you spend outside i think the more you hear and the more you're aware of things for example i've certainly i mean i'm always fairly aware of birdsong and um uh the nature around me but i've learned a couple of new uh bird bit different bird bird song just because i've been walking around more and hearing them and i think it's the same in the garden that people are like oh i've never noticed those purple flowers over there before i wonder what they are so they're starting to sort of tune in to what's going on in their in their spaces and as a result want to know more and then of course there's the whole angle of growing your own food and that suddenly people are concerned about their food supply and want to discover if there's any way that they can do something about it and and make some move towards self-sufficiency themselves and that's quite tricky in a way because you do read quite a lot of glib statements about oh become self-sufficient but like it's it's really really hard to be self-sufficient um in fruit and vegetables year round uh but that said you can hugely improve your diet get a variety of things that you probably can't buy in the supermarkets by growing stuff at home Uh, just don't expect it to make up the vast majority of your diet you're still going to need to go to the supermarket regularly but you might have a few tomatoes for a salad (laughs) you know we might always recommend to people you know don't grow the things that are freely and widely available at the supermarket i mean it's I mean, people often start for some reason with tomatoes. The idea that homegrown tomatoes always taste better is actually not true. Like, I've had some really awful homegrown tomatoes. So, <clears throat> while I love growing them, and I always 
say to people it's a really fun thing to do um it's there are other better things to start growing if you're really new and you're just setting out so think about the things that you love eating as well don't necessarily think well this is what people the kind of vegetables people grow think about the stuff you love to eat and try and investigate what which of those things you could grow at home what would be your advice for beginners where should they start what sort of things should they grow it's a good idea to pick things that are very simple and don't have too many different steps involved. So tomatoes are quite complicated, really, because you've got to sow them in heat in early, you know, late winter, early spring. You've got to transplant them. There's quite a lot of involved there. Whereas if you start with something like a cut and come again lettuce, it's really not that difficult. You're just going to sow the seed outside in a container or in a bed and you're going to watch it grow. And then once it gets to a certain size, you're going to snip it off and it's going to regrow. So something like that is really, really simple and straightforward. You can also try very simple things like growing microgreens, which are just greens, uh, leaves of little herbs or uh, salad vegetables which you allow to grow to just a few tall and then you snip them off once and they're packed with nutrients and really fresh and delicious tasting and they're really easy because your crop is ready within a few weeks and that's good because oftentimes people don't realize that you have to be quite patient you're not gonna you know even if you go all in and sow loads of things it's going to be weeks or months before you start to see a return so microgreens are good because it gives you a result quite quickly the other thing that I always recommend people do is grow um, pea shoots and you can just go to the supermarket and they usually come in a box um, and you buy dried peas, not any special peas for sowing, but from the food aisle, dried peas that you, I don't know, I guess you make them into soups and things, soak them overnight in water and um, it's a fun thing you can get kids involved with because the peas are easy for kids' hands to handle and even ch most children seem to enjoy eating them. So pea shoots are a good start. You only need a windowsill for those or you can sow them outside as well. So provided that you snip just above the bottom set of leaves, you should find that they'll regrow several times. So that's a, a really cheap and cheerful way of getting started. Amazing. And I mean... Rather than it being just a kind of hobby that people are going to get into during lockdown and maybe never pick up again, um, is there any reason why gardening is good for the environment more broadly rather than just a fun thing for us to do in our gardens? Yes, I mean, the, the difficulty with gardening is you can garden in a sustainable and environmentally friendly way, but there's lots of barriers to you doing that. So <laughs> there's lots of issues in the world of gardening that mean that not all gardeners are growing that sustainably. So when we st particularly when you're starting out, and you don't really know anything about um, growing. So you might find that you go to the garden centre and you're looking at, at bags of compost and you see the words natural and you, and you think or organic and you think, oh, great. But unfortunately, that bag may be full of peat, which is a very unsustainable source of um, of growing media. And that, unfortunately, is still very widely available, despite your, your unlocking carbon from the soil. It's not sustainable. There are peat-free alternatives available, but oftentimes we don't know about them. So, 
you've got to try to eat yourself from the start and think in the same way you as you would think in any other part of your life about all the different aspects of gardening that can be problematic and that you need to find other solutions for so for example water if you're going to grow loads of vegetables and you're just using your tap you're going to use a lot of water could you be setting up water butts for every downpipe around your house and using that water most of the time? What clever ways can you find of reducing the amount of water that you need? And that might be things like drip irrigation. It might be things like mulches. Um, so you've got to be trying to think of ways that you can garden in the most sustainable way possible in order to make sure that you are getting the best out of your garden and your soil and growing some vegetables but also not harming the environment and the same goes for things like pests so sometimes when people first get into gardening just blitz everything and what is that creepy crawly die 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 and oftentimes it's a ladybird larva which is exactly the kind of thing that you want to keep and so many times at this time of year and there's loads of ladybird larvae about i get sent pictures and people go what is this crazy creepy crawly how do i kill it and you're like that's a ladybird larva. You really don't want to kill that. So again, you know, like the, the, the you're aiming to get a balance really is the key. Um, so allowing those beneficial insects um, and creatures in your garden that will keep everything in, in good balance and that you won't end up with, um, with destroying all the beneficial insects which help you control the things that you don't want. Um, how do you do that? Well, it's things like growing flowers around your vegetable crops. So, you know, having some some lovely uh, poached eggplants, Limnanthes douglasii, which is a great name, so help to control uh, pests that might be coming in as well. So grow flowers around your vegetables. It also looks more attractive. Think about a compost heap. If you don't have a compost heap, start one and then you've got a free source of solid river and mulches garden as well also great wildlife habitat it's fun to watch so every aspect of what you do needs to be tuned in to the way that it might have an impact or otherwise on the garden slugs are another thing that we all struggle with and the temptation is just to get a massive pile of those blue slug pellets and thrushes and hedgehogs in your garden uh, and toads and frogs are going to be dying and they're the ones that are going to be your natural pest controllers so again explore some environmentally uh, responsible ways of controlling slugs and that might be things like beer traps it might be things like nematodes it might be barriers of some kind and it all sounds like a, a bit overwhelming when you first start off I think because you're thinking oh my gosh I've got to think about this my advice would be start small take one crop try and grow it well there will be problems and pitfalls work through them ask for advice from fellow gardeners and you'll learn as you go and as you do that you build confidence as well I think that's the secret is not to be feeling like you've got to be like Mr Smith next door who's got 20 different potatoes growing and has been growing for 20 years and is retired <laughs> all the time in the world like it's really tempting to think oh my gosh well why have why have i only growing one row of lettuces well you know don't compare yourself to other people because it never never works successfully um yeah so I, I like to take pride in what i've managed to grow within my time available time and so on and not worry about what anyone else is doing otherwise that's a road to disappointment 
<laughs> Absolutely. And if someone is getting into gardening for the first time, where should they go to get all of this advice? Do you have any top places people should go and visit? Well, I think that the, the internet is awash with bad information, but also awash with really good information. So it's picking your sources carefully. Um, the RHS, Royal Horticultural Society, website is a site I use an awful lot if you're looking for general guides for growing vegetables and fruit there's loads of useful information there about pests and every time they do a page on a particular pest they will give you um, organic alternatives um, to the synthetic chemicals that you might use if you're not taking an organic route so there's different options and they'll lay out the different options um, the other website that's um, really really good um, is a guy called Charles Dowding and if you're interested in what's called no dig um, growing he is the guru of this so this is the idea that you don't have to break your back digging loads of holes that you can actually use the, the things in the soil that that keep the structure i.e. worms to build the structure of your soil and make it fertile so you add layers of organic matter on the top of the soil and the worms take that down into the soil and improve the structure there's loads more to it than that and he's got a really good website charles dowding and a youtube channel well worth looking at if you're interested in a really sustainable way of starting out and also great if you're not if you're you don't have great mobility or strength for digging i know i'm absolutely weekly when it comes to digging so um i have i have raised beds and i try not to do uh, any digging really and, and let my soil um be enhanced by uh, organic matter and earthworms so charles downing is great uh what else is there the G garden organic has got a really good website too uh, with loads of advice on organic growing and there's loads of brilliant youtubers out there um allotment youtubers and grow your owners who are out there on the front line doing their allotments and also videoing what they're up to and that's always a source of good advice because they are experience at doing it just as you're doing it so they're not they're not you know much as i love garden as well you know few of us have monty don's garden right so i always think that i learn a lot more from somebody who's like me who's got a setup like me and has the same challenges as me so that those youtube channels are really worth taking a look at and there's loads out there so find somebody that sort of fits your style and um and start following them amazing well thank you so much for talking to us i'll put links to your podcast and your instagram in the description for this for people who want to find out more it was amazing to speak to Jane. If you want to find out more about her, we actually did a live with Jane a couple of weeks ago where she talks us through everything that she's grown in her garden. And it's amazing. Go onto Facebook and you can see her in action showing us around her garden. Um, I wanted to take a second to think about the future and practical ways that we can start growing at home. Um, so according to the National Trust, there are 600 acres worth of growing space on Britain's windowsills. So the idea that you need to have a really big garden or a patio space to get involved is just not true. You can start growing as long as you've just got a sunny windowsill. So stuff like parsley and basil are perfect to grow there. Um, I've got some chard sitting in my windowsill at the moment, which I thought was dead, but actually regrows every few weeks and it's amazing. If you do have a little bit of outside space, uh, then doing some planning before you buy the seeds or plants to see what kind of sun you get and what your soil likes um, will really make sure that your plants live longer and are happier there. Um, 
Choosing drought tolerant plants that need less watering is a really good way of building a low maintenance garden. So if you're normally out a lot, if you have a tendency to forget to water your plants like I do, look for plants that have waxy, silvery, spiky or hairy leaves, as well as plants with scents. Um, so that's stuff like lavender, jasmine, rosemary, and all of this stuff is actually really great to attract pollinators as well. And it's super easy to look after. So that would be my top recommend if you have not gardened before and you want to get started. On the theme of pollinators, Jane already mentioned this, but I think it's really important. If you're trying to grow fruits and vegetables, make sure that you plant some flowers as a border around them. You'll attract more bees and butterflies, which will help to pollinate your fruit and vegetables. But it's also massively important because a lot of the hedgerows in the UK have been removed. Uh, so even though we have a lot of countryside for bees, for butterflies, that can be a bit of a desert because it's all a monoculture. There's nowhere for them to stop. Uh, so in urban areas, we have a really amazing opportunity to create these little natural environments for pollinators uh, who are having a difficult time in the countryside at the moment. Most importantly, I don't think gardening should be about having to buy loads of fancy stuff. Like you don't need loads of money and a massive garden and the perfect pot. Like as long as you have seeds and soil, you can grow them using egg cartons or yogurt pots and you can make planters out of pallets that you find on the road without a huge amount of effort. Um, so it shouldn't be something that is exclusionary. You can get started with growing on your windowsill right now for like a quid. Uh, so it's worth getting started because creating a really diverse natural environment in the UK and increasing the amount of green spaces that we have is so vital to protecting the climate, protecting wildlife and also it's better for us. Like growing is an amazing thing to get involved with. So if you want more tips then head to our website. We've got loads of ideas on how you can get growing today. That's everything that we're going to talk about today but if you have any questions about gardening I am new to it as well so you can ask me. We're going to be back on the podcast next week talking all about food. Uh, we're going to be finding out how the divisions in the UK have been intensified by lockdown, but also get some top tips on what we can do to make more of our food for less money. So I'll see you then. Mm -hmm.